Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing this lovely second Sunday in January? Good morning. Okay, that's good. Love that you're here. We are in the second week of this new series that we've called The Fine Lines, and it's all about navigating life's relationships. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, why would we talk about relationships in a church congregation setting? Because they are everywhere. Everywhere, at work, at home, as you interact with somebody that is, you know, providing your food or your coffee order or whatever caffeine intake that you have, that's a relational connection. They are everywhere. They're littered all throughout our lives. Some relationships are really important to us. Some relationships are really a challenge for us. And so what we want to do over the next several weeks is dig further into what does it mean to have healthy relationships, navigating all the fine lines lines that exist between good behavior, poor behavior, and everything in between. So we're going to have a lot of fun. We started it last week as Pastor Chuck kicked it off for us, talking about the foundation for relationship and that being a connection with Christ. We believe here at Sea Road Church, if we are loving like Jesus and living like Jesus to the best of our ability, that gives us the highest probability to navigate all of the challenges that are relationally oriented in our world. Notice that I said the highest probability and not perfection because you and I are imperfect creatures and we all have relational tendencies that are a challenge. We're going to be talking a little bit about codependency here today. Yay! Now when I think of codependency, when I think about codependency, I think of two things that are stuck together but sometimes rub each other the wrong way, okay? So we're going to have a little bit of fun with this to start. What I'm going to do, we're going to do a little bit of a a word association game. So here online or in person, what I would love for you to do is write in your chat of choice if you're online or here in person, yell out at me what you believe to be the matcher to the word that I'm going to say. Sound good? Okay. Here's the first one. Thelma. Hey, okay. Thelma and Louise. Perfect. You're going to have to try and figure out how my brain works, so it's going to be challenging. Mickey Mouse. Ah, some of you are saying Minnie and some are saying Donald Duck, of course. The antithesis, the adversary to Mickey Mouse is Donald Duck. Peanut butter. Peanut butter and jam? Bananas. Who said bananas? I am with you. Peanut butter and bananas. Love it. Cheese. Cheese. I've got, I've got crackers, bread, wine. All of those are wrong. Catalina dressing. That's what you're looking for. Cheese and Catalina dressing. Two things that belong together in a really healthy way. Codependency, okay? That's what we're digging into today, codependency. I've got a couple of infographics around what codependency is. We're going to take a look at them. Here's the first one. What is codependency? Well, it's feeling responsible for the well-being, emotions, or actions of others. It's feeling loved or needed through finding and fixing the problems of others. It's saying yes when you want to actually say no. It's consistently feeling like you're being taken for granted and resentful for giving more than you receive. Codependency is obsessively and sometimes unconsciously attempting to control the behavior of others. That's codependency. 
Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It probably describes every single one of us in this space and every single one of us joining in online. Codependency is a part of human interaction. Now, there, there, there can be positive elements of codependency, but there can also be malicious, negative elements of codependency. Let's dig another layer deeper and look at codependency in relationships. What does it look like? What does it manifest itself as? Here's what, it, here's what we've got here, five points. Obsessive focus on your partner's behavior. This could be in a romantic relationship, this could be in a friendship, this could be in a parent-child relationship, a grandparent-child relationship, a neighbor-to-neighbor relationship, a co-worker-to-co-worker relationship. If you work in HR, you understand the majority of your job is listening to complaints of co-workers about other co-workers. Fun times. It's trying to control, change, or fix someone. Coldplay has a great song called Fix You. And that's the, end, that's the motivation a lot of times with our relational connection with people. We just want to fix somebody else. If they could just be more like me, then the world would be great. That's not true. Enabling harmful behavior and lack of boundaries. Separation, being disconnected from that person, actually brings forth anxiety and fear of abandonment. That's how you know codependency in the negative sense has rooted itself in that relationship. And finally, betraying yourself and your own needs in order to be chosen. That's a sticky one. So badly we want to be connected to somebody that we will betray our own needs, even our own values, so that we have some layer of connection. This is codependency. This is why it's a problem. It exists in every one of our relationships, and so navigating all of those things is going to be a challenge. So what we're gonna do is instead of looking at our own lives first, we're gonna look at our lives of a couple from the Bible, and then we're gonna like mock them a little bit and be like, oh, aren't they silly? And then we're gonna discover they're exactly like us, okay? Sound good? If you've got a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 5. We're going to read the first 11 verses of that text. A married couple, their names are Ananias and Sapphira. Here's their story. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept The rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said... How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out 
to. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. That is a most interesting story. Now, typically, when somebody speaks about this story or preaches on this story, we're talking about generosity, and generosity is a part of this story, but I want to talk about the codependent relationship that Ananias and Sapphira had with one another and with God and with their church community. So let me set the scene a little bit. This story unfolds just at the infant stages of the emerging Jesus movement. Jesus had just died, rose back to life. The Holy Spirit was poured out in abundance on those who chose to follow Jesus. That means the very spirit of everything that uh, created the world and the universe and all that stuff was poured out in abundance, the presence of God, so that you and I could interact with and have this unbroken, unhindered relationship with Jesus if we so choose That was the moment, that was happening. And so lots of people were getting caught up in the excitement of everything that was going on. People who had been waiting for this promised one, this savior, this Messiah, were recognizing Jesus for who he was and following him, giving their lives up to serve him. And part of that movement involved this unbridled, unhindered wave of generosity where people would give up their possessions, their vocations, their homes, and everything in service to what God was building in terms of his kingdom. Ananias and Sapphira saw this happening. They saw it unfold. The text tells us that there were other people in the local community at the time who were doing exactly what they had done, selling a piece of property, giving everything over to the apostles, to the church, to the work of the extension of the gospel, and trusting that God was going to do something amazing. And they wanted to be a part of it. But their motivation was codependent in nature. Their motivation was codependent in nature. See, codependency sometimes is a masked, a veiled form of our desire to be loved. They were so wanting recognition, wanting to be a part of what was happening in the moment that they, on their own volition, decided to do the very same thing, but instead of giving everything, they only gave a portion and they lied about what they gave. Now, here's what's interesting they didn't have to lie. They didn't have to lie. But one of the things that codependency does is codependency distorts what is true. We're going to talk about three things from this relationship. That's the first one. Codependency distorts what is true. Here's what we know that is true. No one asked them to do what they did. There wasn't a demand that, oh, you need to submit your T4 slip to us, and because based on your earnings, you have to sell a portion of your property and give it to the local church. Nobody told them to do this. They saw this happening in the lives of the community around them, probably some of their closest friends even potentially, doing this very same thing, and in their own decision, decided to do a variation of what they discovered. But instead of telling the truth, They presented a lie. This is what codependency does in our relationships. It's really, really difficult because I get get it. Sometimes we do not want to embrace the truth. 
hey, Jason, are you mad at me? I only got five minutes. Uh, No, I'm not mad at all. Hey, let me ask your opinion about something. Do you think I'm crazy? Wow. Codependency distorts what is true. See, in a real, true, authentic relationship, you can have those tough, challenging conversations and still love one another. In our world today, we have completely deviated from that expression of what relationship is. What we say culturally is that if we disagree with one another, you are somehow, somehow impeding my freedom to be who I am. Disagreement does not equal distance. It only equals distance when we are so wrapped up in our codependency that we've distorted what is actually true. You can love somebody and have a completely different opinion than they do. Just ask somebody, ask a married couple, ask two best friends what their favorite movie is. You might get competing and yet different answers. We can look at our sports culture and see examples of individuals who have chosen allegiance to the wrong team. (laughs) All over the place. You can look in our political world and do the very same thing. You can say, man, if you love Jesus, this is the only way you can ever vote. See, codependency distorts what is true. The truth that Ananias and Sapphira stepped into was this. There was an emerging, lovely, lively community that was so sold out for Jesus that things were happening and they desperately wanted to be a part of it. So much so that they thought they had to present a variation of themselves in order to be accepted. How many times do we do that? We we present a variation of ourselves instead of what our true self is because we desperately want to be accepted. This is how codependency wreaks havoc in all of our relationships. Parent, child, sibling to sibling, coworker to coworker, classmate to classmate, grandparent to grandchild. When my grandmother calls me for my birthday or for Christmas or for New Year's, I change the way I talk because it's my grandma. I don't use slang because she doesn't understand it. I tone down my sarcasm because she doesn't get my humor. Now, some will say, well, that's codependent behavior. No, that's just survival, okay? (laughs) See, my grandma, she's so close to Jesus. When she starts praying for me, I'm in trouble. Adaptation isn't codependency. If there's real depth of relationship behind the action. Unfortunately for Ananias and Sapphira, that was missing. They did not think that they would have been accepted if they just told the truth. And in all honesty, how Peter's responding them, one of the leaders of this early church movement, he's saying, you didn't have to lie. You could have told us. I'm giving a portion and I'm keeping a portion. And nobody would have said, oh my goodness, how dare you? 
but we're so afraid of rejection. We're so afraid of causing hurt or being hurt that instead we sell out to a lesser version of what is true. We allow codependency to weave its way into our relational fabric. Here's the second thing that it does. Codependency takes our focus off Jesus and we fixate on something else. For those of us who have an active relationship with Jesus, the pinnacle of our faith, the pursuit of our lives, the epitome of success for us is defined simply by learning to love and live like Jesus. He should be the epicenter, our focus in everything that we do. Years ago, people used to ask this question, what would Jesus do? And then they turned it into a marketing campaign and they sold all sorts of t-shirts and bracelets and all that stuff, WWJD, in order to raise funds for various movements, various things. And somehow the message got lost in all the production. The message is simple. If we claim to know Jesus, then he will be the center of everything that we are pursuing. If you're pursuing intimacy in your relationship with your spouse, Jesus will help you achieve that, help you grow towards it. Without him, you're going to get a lesser variation of what that connection looks like. Ananias and Sapphira were so focused on their reputation that they lost sight of Jesus. They were so focused on their reputation that they lost sight of Jesus. And this is what codependency does. We sell out for a lesser thing. We take our focus off of Jesus, and it might be, oh, my career. My career needs to take priority. Or right now, the troubles in my household, the problems that are bubbling up, they need to take priority. Or my adventure, what I want out of life, what I want to do, my goals, my mission, my, my, my. Anything that takes our focus off of Jesus has codependent tendencies because we start to sell out for something that is less. A counterfeit expression of what life could look like in all of our relationships. And I get it. It's hard because sometimes we just don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Because when we've allowed other people to dictate to us the way that we should live, it hasn't turned out really well. Like some of us couldn't wait to leave our house as a child. We hit 16, we hit 17, and we were like, see ya, maybe at Christmas. Some of us will never leave our house. We're like, I've got one of my kids that's like, I'm just going to live in your basement forever. And I'm like, no, you're not. You are not going to live in my basement forever. I'm kicking you out in a lovingly, kindly way. I'm not controlling your behavior. You just can't live here anymore. Sometimes we just don't think that Jesus is who he says he is. We think that if we sell out to Jesus, that means we're going to lose out on everything. But instead of focusing on what we might lose, we lose sight of what we gain. See, when Jesus becomes the pinnacle of everything that we pursue, we gain insight into the purpose of our own lives, the world in which we live, the people that we love, We get to partner, we get to co-labor with him in the growth and the development and the restoration of all of creation. 
humans and everything else. We get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of, for those of us who are like, oh, I love creation. Guess what? God designed it. When we fixate and we we have him as the pinnacle of our lives, we get to partner with him in what it looks like to preserve, enhance, grow, and enjoy all that he has created. See, far too often we fixate on what we are losing instead of what we are gaining. The missing pieces that we crave, crave, purpose, meaning, depth, all that stuff can be found in Jesus. And I know it's hard. It's hard for me even. I still feel lonely and I choose Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're going to avoid feeling challenging emotions, but there will be increased purpose behind those emotions when we allow Jesus to navigate those challenging waters alongside of us. If Ananias and Sapphira could have kept Jesus at the focal point of their activity, they would have rejected the codependent nature that told them to sell out for something lesser. They would have recognized that who they are in Christ is more than enough. And they don't need countless affirmation outside of that in order to live and breathe and move. Third thing, codependency breeds toxicity and control. This is what is super interesting for me when I look at this text. The interview that happens between Peter and this couple happens on an individual expression, starting with Ananias. He, he confronts him and says, hey, is this everything? Is this everything? And Ananias lies and says, yep, it's everything. He's like, why would you lie? That's interesting. But the text tells us that Ananias and Sapphira, they agreed, they agreed to the lie beforehand. That's an example of what I'll call toxicity and control. They agreed to the lie beforehand. Let's get our story straight. Like how many times have you done that with your sibling when you got in trouble with your parents? Okay, let's tell them this is what happened, okay? You were the one that did it because I'm way more in trouble right now than you are, okay? You're the favorite. They won't punish you. They tried to get their story straight. That's an expression of control. And every time we try to control the life of somebody else, we embrace codependent toxic behavior. This sometimes is the way that we think God interacts with us. That if we release or relinquish control of our lives to him, that he will somehow allow toxicity and take control of us and and hinder our lives. This is what codependent behavior causes us to think. We sell out for something less. We embrace these things that are, are not even what we want. We enter survival mode instead of thriving mode. What's fascinating to me is Ananias tells this lie. It was previously agreed upon by his wife. She comes in three hours later. He's already dead. Doesn't even know that he's dead. Three hours later and repeats the same story and the same thing happens to her. 
When we have toxicity and codependency and control issues in our relationships, those relationships will never thrive with those elements at play. If you've ever had a friend that's tried to control your behavior, you know that there's nothing that you can do to please them. It'll never be good enough. Because as soon as you do one thing, then they want another and another and another and another. And too often, that's what we think how God is going to interact with us is exactly going to be like. So we think like If we give him control of our lives, then he's going to to wreck everything. That's because we have the lenses of codependency so rooted into the very fabric of our eyes that we cannot see that life in God's kingdom, it's simple and it's actually true freedom. Ananias and Sapphira could not see that they did not have to live this way. Sapphira herself did not have to embrace the continued lie. Her husband was gone. She could have finally told the truth. Instead, she was a prisoner to the toxicity, to the control that they both submitted to and missed out. Missed out on the absolute miracle that could have been waiting in place. All right, Jason, that's codependency. That seems like a lot of fun. I've done an internal catalog of all my relationships, and guess what? They're all codependent. Woohoo! Now what? I want to suggest there's two moves that we can make starting right now, today, to reject codependent behavior in our relationships, to navigate the fine lines between what that looks like. The first is this. We need to move from codependency to interdependency with Jesus. Here's what Jesus says in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And and what do you and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything more worth worth more than your own soul? Jesus is describing the roadmap forward for us to what it means to navigate through life's relationships without embracing all of the codependent tendencies that each one of us is laden with. It's to move from codependency and recognize it's an interdependency with Christ. It's working with him. It's walking alongside of him. It is reframing every facet of our lives along with him. The values that he talks about. The hopes, the desires, the impulses. In other words, learning to love and live like he did. Prioritizing serving people that are often overlooked. Prioritizing connection and communion with a group of people that are going to speak out against the codependent behaviors they see in your own life. Went for a walk yesterday as a family, which is usually enjoyable. And it was yesterday as well. 
except for the fact that my kids call me out on stuff and I wish they wouldn't. We started out this walk and I guess I was, had my stank face on or something and one of my kids said, Dad, please don't get into that passive aggressive mode that you get into when you're really upset with us. And I was like, come on, give me some credit here. I got angry at that, but then I recognized, man, they're right. I do that. I do that sometimes because I want to control the experience. That's why God blessed me with my children who are courageous enough to speak up and speak out and speak against their dad. And 15 years ago, I wasn't, I wasn't brave enough to do that. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you know what had happened, right? No donuts for Jason. Do you have people in your life that help you and spur you on towards this interdependent connection? This shift from codependency to interdependency. I connect with a group of guys every two, three weeks for coffee for less than an hour and we talk about scripture and we talk about what it means to love and live like Jesus. And I expect them and I hope that they expect that I will do this to them when we see codependent tendencies surface in our relational interactions that we will call one another out. When there's a distorted view of God, an incomplete picture of what he's doing, when we see or we believe that God is more harmful than he is loving, when we see that there's a God that it's not even worth trying to follow him because he's just going to dictate our every move, he doesn't give, him, give us freedom of choice, that they'll speak into that through the relational connection and intentionality that are associated with those moments. We've got to shift from that codependent mindset to interdependency, and that cannot happen in isolation. We need people around us to make that move and make that shift. So here at Sea Road, in a couple of weeks, what we're going to be doing is another push into groups, into communities, into connections. Those of you that do not have a community of some kind, whether it's well-defined or ill-defined, if you aren't connected, we're going to encourage you we're going to beg you to get connected in some way. And maybe that's going to mean doing something that you're not comfortable with, like stepping up to facilitate one of those communities. Maybe it's going to mean multiplying the community, community that you're in so more people can have that kind of connection and community. It might mean you have to do something you're not entirely comfortable with, but that is when we grow. Growth doesn't come out of comfort. Growth comes out of tension. The second thing that we can do, the move that we can make in terms of this whole rejection of codependency is limit the time and the influence that codependent people have in your life. I'll call it this, limited access relationships. Limited access relationships. Jamie and I, we coach this uh, U15 men's hockey team. U15 doesn't mean that they have 15 less or less years of experience. It means that's their age. Our sons play on this team. Man, some of the people on that team are a huge challenge to work with. They have different stories, different 
emotions, different realities, different pushback. What we're learning as coaches is that we have to limit the influence that these codependent, toxic individuals have in the rest of the team. Maybe that's sitting for a shift. Maybe that's sitting for a game. Maybe it's, that, maybe it's actually finding the courage to apologize for some of the things that they're doing wrong. And we're learning that as coaches, but we're first learning that as men. We're learning that we ourselves have to be the kind of people that reflect the nature and the character of Jesus. And sometimes that means allowing limited access to our lives of people that aren't willing to pursue Jesus. Now, some of you are like, oh my goodness, what if that's my spouse? What do I do now? There's lots of things that you can do. There's lots of things that you, you can do and grow together as spouses. One of the things that we're going to be doing here the first weekend of May is hosting a marriage enrichment weekend. If you are a married person and call Sea Road Church home, I want you to be there. Bonnie and I are going to be there. Lunch is provided. It's $60 per person. It's going to be absolutely worth it. You just did the math and you're like, Jason, that means it's $120 for a married couple. What do we do? You pay $120, you invest in your relationship. It's cheaper than going out for dinner nowadays. And you work through the challenging codependent tendencies that you might have in your marriage relationship. Some of the kids are like, man, everything you described is either my mom or dad or both of them. So how do I reject my codependent parent? How do I give them limited access to my life? You already do that. You're a teenager. You usually don't tell us everything, okay? It's hardwired in your DNA. Here's what you can do. You can pray for your mom. You can pray for your dad. I'm telling you, when you start praying for people that you have tension with, something changes inside of you. It's not going to be always easy to navigate through that relationship, but you are learning as a teenager, as a young adult, what it means to thrive relationally in our ever-changing world. Don't give up on mom. Don't give up on dad. Yeah, they might be a little bit crazy, but you're going to be okay. If you've got a friend in your life, when every time you hang out with them, you find that you're compromising a piece of who you are, that's a friend that should shift into limited access category. Who would you want around your dinner table in your most raw moments? If somebody doesn't fit that description, then maybe they need to have limited access towards you. Did you know that you can love somebody that has limited access to your life? You can still be kind. You still can be loving and generous. You can still be connected with them even. But you don't have to be controlled by them. Their big emotions, their ideas, their values. Listen, it's murky waters when you talk about relationships. It's murky waters when you talk about codependency. But I believe if we start making these two moves in our own individual lives shifting from codependency to interdependency with Christ and limiting the access that codependent, toxic individuals have in our lives, we're going to be a lot more healthy relationally than we were if we don't do those moves. 
It's a challenge, I get it, because sometimes it's going to mean risking a relationship of some kind. If you're married and are having tensions, I am not giving you permission to walk away from your marriage. I'm extending an invitation to work on that relationship. If you're single and looking, I'm giving you permission to stay single and looking and looking for somebody that is going to be a person that helps you become more like Jesus. If you're single and want to remain single, that's amazing. Stay there. If you're a teenager going like, I don't even know if I like boys or girls or whatever, don't worry about that, just study. If we start making these shifts and these moves, I believe the codependent tendencies that exist relationally in our world will begin to lose their control, their power, and their influence on us. We've got to make a shift. We've got to make a move. That's the beautiful thing about life. We are given the opportunity to choose. That's the loving nature of the God who created all things. He gives you the opportunity to choose. Let me pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had to explore this challenging theme that is codependency. And Lord, there's so much more that we could even unearth as we discover and as we peel back the layers of what that means relationally for each one of us. So I pray in the next few moments here, Holy Spirit, that you would just give us a laser focus on what it is you want us to hang our hat on and instead focus on those things. Father, would you give us courage to to walk away from codependent behaviors personally, if we are participating in those extensions, would we find a new way to interact relationally with the people that we love and care about so that we don't end up distorting what is true, we don't end up causing people to lose sight of who you are or selling out to a lesser version, and we aren't breeding toxicity and control and abuse relationally. Instead, we're going we're gonna to breathe in and we're going to breathe out compassionate love that only you can provide. May you bless us and protect us. May you shine your face upon us and be gracious to us, Father. May you grant us your favor and your peace. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.